everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure to welcome my guest today, uh, Pastor James Park. Hey, Pastor James, how are you? Good. How are you, Blair? Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you too. I'm doing well. Um, So just a short introduction, a personal story for me. Um, Pastor James and I, we go back like You mentioned, I guess, 13, 14 years now, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. I feel like it's been much shorter than that. But um, during my time at UC Irvine, if you're a new listener, um, I went to college in California before I moved back to Atlanta. And um, yeah, I was involved in campus ministry. However, I was looking for a church to serve at. And um, long story short, I found um, Irvine Onuri where... Pastor James was serving as, at the time, a junior high pastor, right? Mm -hmm. A middle school pastor. Mm -hmm. And it was through him and his wife where, yeah, I feel like I deepened my knowledge of um, what it means to not only follow Jesus, but um, obey his commands in discipleship, right? And like, uh, they gave me the privilege of um, doing small groups with middle school age girls. And I just learned so much during that time. So Pastor James, if I've never said thank you, let me just say it to the world now, <laughs> or whoever's listening. I mean, I thank think, you so much. I think anyone will agree that I should be the one thanking you, Blair. No, uh, no. You <laughs> called it privilege, but not many people would say privilege <laughs> the middle school students. Um, yeah, you are an amazing uh, leader and teacher for them, so. Oh yeah, they are still walking with Christ now. Yes, I and it's, I mean, obviously that's nothing you or I ever did. I'm sure. I mean, more you probably because you carried them through all their years of middle school and high school. But um, yeah, what a what a amazing sight to see. You know, just through social media and stuff, I've been keeping up with some of them and those students and. Um, But anyways, all that to say, um, thanks again for being here, Pastor James. And he is here to tell me uh, what his journey has been and how he became a pastor. And just to give us a little bit of insight on, um, yeah, pastoral life. So, Pastor James, could you give us a little bit of intro on what it is that you do and what your day is like? Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the associate pastors at McLean Bible Church Tysons uh, in Virginia. So my official title is a West Region Pastor. And when we say West Region, it's, uh, we're divided up into North, South, East, West. So West is kind of a, a combination of 20 different zip codes uh, mm-hmm. that uh, surpasses all that area. And uh, there I help oversee groups and uh, shepherd congregants through equipping, training, and counseling mm-hmm. uh, mostly. And so my day... You want me to talk about my day, Blair? Yes, yes. Okay, so I would say every day looks a little different. So typical week looks like Sundays, we meet together and gather together for uh, worship service. And uh, we uh, I help people just kind of check in and I do a prayer team. So if anyone would like prayer, we step aside and pray with them and counsel them. Uh, we lead, help lead the newcomers class virtually, giving an orientation of our church. Uh, During the weekdays, mostly my days are spent just meeting with other staffs and lay leaders, then uh, helping the newcomers getting connected to one of our groups. Mm. And then uh, I do visit uh, some of our groups during the week to make sure they're doing well. Uh, And then checking in with our leaders uh, by phone or Zoom, just praying with them. Then uh, we also do um, uh, biblical counseling uh, throughout the week where people call in uh, with just a 
you know, different issues and we just try to walk with them uh, during, especially now, uh, so many difficult issues uh, during this season. So we try to walk with them in the word. And then uh, in, the, in the evenings, we teach occasionally classes, so Bible mm -hmm. study classes. And then uh, we have weddings and funerals throughout the year. Uh, and we try to walk with our congregants and help them uh, do weddings and funerals. And then Saturdays, this is kind of my exciting day of the week. We go out into the community and do uh, food distribution. Mm -hmm. And so we um, were actually one of the largest uh, distribution network in the county. So we distributed over 10 million pounds of food uh, since pandemic started. And oh my goodness. there's so many underserved communities, uh, especially during the pandemic. So we mm -hmm. hand out box with gospel tract in it. We share the gospel in Spanish, English, and so many people have come to Christ. Just two weeks ago, uh, we saw an Afghan uh, immigrant a lady uh, that have trusted in the in, in the Lord Jesus for the first time. So, oh wow, yeah, it's very exciting what the Lord is doing uh, in that community. That's amazing. Um, so, is McLean Bible Church is that um, a fairly large church with different campuses, or mm -hmm. is that? Yeah, we're a multi-site. Uh, church and uh, we have five locations in each county and uh we're about i wouldn't say i, I don't i wouldn't have the right probably correct number but <laughs> somewhere around thousands eight thousand to fifteen thousand okay okay yeah. so it is a fairly large me mega church then mm -hmm. okay um so um just on a I have a kind of a personal question. How was your transition from moving from California to Virginia mm -hmm. for yeah. your family? Yeah, so definitely not not easy. We um, made the move uh, initially just uh, trusting that, like, so all my life I've been uh, with Korean Americans and in a Korean bubble in Southern California and uh, and I love that. I, I was very comfortable and I, I love uh, my previous church, Old Nudie Church, served there for 11 years. Uh, but uh, there was a stirring in our heart for uh, just a connection to get involved with a multi-ethnic community. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, uh, yeah, the McLean Bible Church, uh, there's an opportunity to be one of their associate pastors. So I applied and then moved to Virginia. Uh, it turned out that our new McLean Bible Church has over 100 different nationalities represented. Uh, so it's like almost like, you know, United Nations, like there's so much diversity. And uh, even in our neighborhood as well, I live in Centerville, Virginia, uh, it's just very diverse. Uh, so definitely got to stretch our family and so much um, like racial and ethnic competency and mm. um, just really taking me out of my comfort zone, but also really growing me uh, in these areas. So. Uh, I, when we moved here three years ago, like probably I was struggling the most, but now like, yeah, we see our family really flourishing and uh, really loving it here. So we're mm. really thankful to be here, Blair. Yeah, that's, um, praise God for that. I mean, um, Pastor James, if you don't mind, it's kind of a, uh, maybe a vulnerable topic. However, I'm curious, like you mentioned that you were uh, facing some challenges when you first arrived in Virginia, maybe just in your ministry. What could you expand a little bit on maybe what some of those challenges personally were for you? Yeah, I mean, for for personally, uh, for me, I think uh, I love serving in the Korean immigrant church because mm -hmm. uh, there's so much commonality and uh, like there's this uh, intimate camaraderie. So even now I have a 
picture of my former coworkers from Onnuri. We were so close. We're like family. Uh, just a lot of um, uh, intimacy and community there. And so coming to a new church, new environment, I think my challenge was uh, yeah, a little bit more individualistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not, I mean, we're intimate, we're very close, but not as, like, we're not as collectivistic, like we're not community oriented. Uh, so kind of, I, I just, I love that part as well because we're given a lot of personal free time as well. Right. right. Uh, but I miss like doing lunch together, doing everything together. And, and so for me, I think personally, just not having like working hard to develop new friendships and relationships mm-hmm. yes. uh, and, and just really missing my family and friends back home. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I would, cause uh, you know, I the little time I spent in Irvine and the and then have, moving back here for me, honestly, it was a culture shock, right? Just mm-hmm. even from Georgia to, uh, to the West Coast, and so I, I can't imagine because I know that you grew up in California, Southern California, and then just moving and then transplanting in Virginia, where I'm sure it's so different. Is why I asked the question because. Even though I I moved and I was Korean American, I moved to a place where there's a lot of Koreans. Like liter- culturally, it was so different mm. for me. So, um, anyways, I, <laughs> so I was just curious. No, um, I mean, yeah, it's the first time in my life. Or I mean, I lived in Turkey for a year, uh, but yeah, other than Turkey, uh, first time in my life being a complete minority. <laughs> right right it's but so even, different yeah even in northern virginia there's a lot of asian yeah uh-huh um well okay so i i kind of want to know like from the beginning you know like when did you decide you wanted to be a pastor pastor james yeah so i i didn't grow up in a christian family so i uh actually came to um received Christ as my Lord, uh, my dad passed away uh, suddenly in high school, or uh, family started attending church for the first time then. And uh, all throughout college, I just really wanted to um, grow uh, understanding God's love and, and tell other people about God's love in, uh, in Jesus. So right after college, uh, I, I just told you I went to live in a country in Central Asia, Turkey for about a year to share the good news of God's love with um, the students there, college students there. And that was a very uh, difficult year and humbling year uh, for the most part. Like I was, for three months, I was living with a hundred different Muslim uh, men, students. And uh, instead of me telling them about God's love, like they were trying to pros- proselytize me to become a Muslim. Right. And um, yeah, just a lot of challenges. And I wasn't able to see anyone become a follower of Jesus there. Uh, very humbling season. But you know, God was also working in that uh, challenging uh, season to humble me to a point where I can say, like, God, like, I will do whatever and wherever you're calling me to do. So I don't know if it's vocational ministry yet, but, you know, I just, I just kind of put my card on the table and I yielded. I said yes to whatever he, he would call me to. Mm. And, and then coming back uh, to the uh, United States and, uh, uh, I started working in an IT firm. Uh, so I studied computer science in undergrad. So well, I worked in the firm a little bit, just like almost a year. And uh, I still wasn't sure. I have so many questions, you know, if, if thinking about vocational ministry, like would I be able to make enough money? Mm. Um, and then like, 
you know, will my girlfriend break up with me, which is who's my wife now? Uh, is my mom going to be ashamed of me? Like, there's just so many questions. Uh, and, and I was still scared, like what my mom would say or what other people would say or my girlfriend would, would break up or reject me. But around that time, I think uh, around that year, uh, the, the local church community just kind of came around and they were a big affirmation, just encouraging me. I think you should really consider uh, full-time vocational ministry. I, I, I think you're gifted or you're wired for it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think the first step that I took was I resigned from that firm company and then enrolled in a local seminary. And uh, yeah, that was the first step. Wow. Okay. So um, a couple of questions as you were kind of sharing, um, you know, you said that you were nervous about, you know, what your mom would say. And I think um, even somebody listening now that may be considering going into seminary, that's a valid worry, I think, in the Asian American kind of scope, right, of things. <laughs> yeah. And um, so how how did your mom uh, yeah, oh, she was definitely not uh, <laughs> enthusiastic <laughs> about it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even many choices that decisions that I made later, like even deciding to go to Turkey for a year, or or I got married pretty young, twenty five, or going to seminary. You got married at twenty five? <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> right. All those decisions, uh, my mom was not not a huge fan or a favor mm-hmm. of. Uh, but yeah, I think she gave me in the end freedom to make my own decisions. And uh, and yeah, now she would say, yeah, some of the decisions that I made uh, that she disagreed, uh, those were some of the best uh, decisions. That yeah. Made, so like, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure at the time, maybe there was some friction or oh, whatever, yeah. but, but, you know, for whatever reason, you decided, you just made your choices, right? And I... I know that it's different with every parent, but do you have any like um, advice maybe for somebody that is going through that kind of conflict, whether it's seminary seminary or something else? Like as far as I know, it's been a while since you've like had to, you know, ask your mom for permission for something. But but, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You want to honor your parents as the Bible says, but at the same time, uh, I, I think the Bible's very clear about uh, who comes first when when it comes to honoring? So, yeah, we honor our parents, our our father and mother in the Lord, but our ultimate allegiance is you know to the Lord. And mm. if He's calling you to a season or a direction that stands in contrast with your uh, parents' will, then I think I think yeah, as hard as difficult as it is, like you know, in the most honoring and this respectful way, like you want to uh, pursue a direction that you know. The Lord has a uh, you know laid on your heart or is calling you towards. So, yes, uh, not a, not an easy uh, thing at all. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Especially like when, yeah, you just want to please your parents, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just so hard. But thank you for that advice. Um, so you started seminary. Um, yeah. So what is seminary like? Do you need to? So you went to undergrad. Do you need to take any like? prerequisites to go to seminary or, or GRE or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't have to take SAT, GRE. Okay. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, applying to any other school through application. Although I think you do have to detail um, how you came to know the Lord and how you uh, are pursuing seminary studies or going into ministry. 
And then you do need the church affirmation that ch the church community is uh, wrapping around you to support your studies. Uh, but apart from that, uh, it's like entering into any other school. Uh, seminary is very difficult. Like the studies are uh, very rigorous. Uh, I took classes on theology, how to exegete the Bible. So exegete is uh, like arriving at the intended meaning of the author mm. and, and church history class or preaching class, a lot of Greek and Hebrew class. And uh, yeah, they require hours and hours of reading and writing. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, that was seminary a long time ago. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I ask you, um, so there have been people in the past that have said to me like, oh, like um, sometimes seminary can really like shake a person's faith. Like why is it, why do they say that? Do you know? Uh, you know, I actually, I don't know if I've ever heard that, but yeah, I've, I've seen people walk away from seminary a lot. And, you know, for me personally, uh, Blair, looking back, like I think my understanding of the Bible and theology uh, just generally was so too shallow uh, mm -hmm. entering into seminary. So I felt almost like a, a child playing in a kiddie pool, like a shallow pool, and then like having to enter into an ocean of knowledge wow. and, and, and you know theology. So mm -hmm. um, if I had to do it all over again, um, yeah, I think I can definitely take it a little slower and then if I spend just more time preparing and setting a good foundation, so just learning the Bible more or reading up on theology or just being able to process a little better, like not trying to go and just finish the school, I think it would have helped me to draw a lot more from the seminary training. Mm, I see. Um, so after you graduate seminary, um, are you like automatically a pastor or how does that work? So, um, yeah, I, I was serving as a pastor already. So uh, the opportunity opened up at Onuri where I was, you know, serving already uh, before mm -hmm. seminary. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so you were there with me, uh, Blair, when I started working with the middle schoolers. Um, and when I finished seminary, I, I don't, know if anything really changed uh, other than that I had a master of divinity right. a little piece of paper um but yeah still serving hard uh in, in pastoral ministry um so like um when someone gets like ordained what does that mean yeah if, when someone gets ordained I mean um I I believe it's I mean biblically speaking it's just a public recognition okay appointment or commissioning of, of someone, uh, that individual to a particular ministry in the church. Uh, we see that in the Bible, it was done through laying up on the hands or, or sometimes with prayer and fasting. Mm. Uh, but it's not like a, a graduation ceremony or another license that you get. It's, a, it's just a public recognition of like, yeah, God has called you. We see that God has called you and you are gifted in this way. And uh, so we're publicly commissioning you to to be a pastor i see okay i just was always curious like okay so i think just growing up in the korean immigrant church right like like just different titles right. so i never really knew if there was like a a real like a real reason other than the title itself yeah yeah i i don't know yeah i don't i don't see an example of you know you being ordained and you having a different title. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. So, 
So yeah, you can be ordained into the office of an elder, but that's just a public recognition from the church saying, yeah, you're going to be one of our leaders. Okay. So when I got ordained, Blair, like, yeah, the next day I didn't feel any different. Okay. I didn't feel like <laughs> no more uh, sprinkles of uh, spirituality in the air. Um, right, right. <laughs> really more the public recognition part. Like okay. I've been already serving in this ministry for a while. And then the church coming around and saying, like, we recognize uh, God's hand on you. I see. Okay. Um, so you, you know, you were going into the fact that seminary just really deepened your knowledge and your, um, even probably, I would imagine your relationship with God. Um, you know, I have met pastors and actually me, myself, I serve as a children's pastor, um, at my church, my local church here in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, I do have the desire to go to seminary um, one day. Um, however, yeah, I, in, in full full disclosure, Pastor James, like what it, do you feel that uh, pastors or people serving in the church in the capacity of having a title or on staff, um, that seminary is necessary or do you just highly recommend it? What is your opinion on that? Yeah. Um, so... So when you said uh, seminary deepen my faith or or walk with the Lord, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if honestly I can confidently say seminary deepen my walk with the Lord. Right, right. Uh, I really think it's really the local church that God has designed mm. to train up uh, the pastors and the leaders, um, yeah, and lay leaders as well. Um, yeah, seminary can be one good way for pastors to be equipped. Uh, they give you a lot of tools uh, for ministry. It's a good place to learn exegesis, a good place to learn theology. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's an absolute requirement for all pastors to mm-hmm. uh, go through seminary uh, because, yeah, there's a saying like ch- churches make pastors, not not seminaries. Mm-hmm. So church community is where uh, my character or our, our character is really formed. When you think about First uh, Timothy three, Titus one, all these uh, uh, requirements or you know character requirements of pastors, uh, they're yeah they're not formed in seminary. They're formed in church community and church mm-hmm. family. Uh, this is where he learns to teach the Bible or be in ministry, disciple others, and counsel others in the Word. Uh, so church is where uh, the pastors learn how to be a pastor. Wow, I've never heard it articulated the way that you have. So um, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm actually kind of encouraged. <laughs> um, just only, only because like school in itself, like just the education part is like so always so daunting for me. I just never really thrived at school. <laughs> but, but, oh, um, I'm surprised to hear that, Blair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll just... I'll, 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 I'll say this because I, I encounter pastors or coworkers in my current setting where they uh, they take seminary, but like one class at a time at a very slow pace. Uh-huh, they, uh-huh. They've been in pastoral ministry for decades. Yes. And so these classes really do act as a supplementary like training where they, they, got, they are equipped with practical tools that they, they can kind of put into practice right away. Whereas I, I just drink from a, Fire hydrant. Right. By the way, like by by the time I I finished four four and a half years, like I yeah I don't know if if I was able to retain as much. 
I see. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because my husband and I just had a conversation about it because I'm always like, oh gosh, like, I don't think I can go back to school again. Like, I just, it's just a lot for me. And then he's like, are you in a hurry? Like, just take one or two classes at a time. I'm like, can I do that? And he's like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and so, yeah. so you saying that too, I'm like, okay, maybe my husband's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, so Blair, there are incredibly gifted minds out there who can do this in like three years yeah. uh, <laughs> and retain all of it. Uh, and I'm, I'm just not one of those. People. No, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's not true. But, <laughs> but um, Pastor James, so can you kind of share with me your experience? Um, I know that you're not in the Korean immigrant church right now, but I know a whole, a lot of a chunk of your ministry before you came to McLean um, was in Korean immigrant ministry. And so um, I was wondering if you could um, tell me a little bit how that, what that was like for you um, as far as just um, yeah, like your day to day. Cause like really, I think a lot of people wonder like, Oh, what do pastors do when they're not doing, they're not preaching on Sundays. Right. They're just playing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They just work one day a week, right? Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Could you um, share a little bit on that? So, I mean, just my experience in, my, uh, in the Korean church has been, um, yes, everything that I'm doing now, uh, plus uh, I was preaching um, regularly, like multiple times a week, uh, a lot of dawn prayer meetings at 5.30 a.m., uh, yeah, Bible studies, and, and then Sunday every week as well, so... Mm-hmm. A lot more, uh, just a prep preparation preparation time uh, for, yeah, just teaching. Uh, but I think there's a culture in uh, Korean church that I experienced, which 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 could be good, which is the camaraderie, the the collectivistic. We do everything together. So when the Korean speaking side is doing something, yeah, let let's all do it together because we're family, we're community. Uh, so we're kind of expected to sacrifice our individual rights or individual time for, for group goals to kind of achieve the group goals together. So um, I think the strength was that there's such a close bond in the team. And then the, uh, but I just didn't have enough time, like personal time mm-hmm. uh, for myself or, or even for my family. Right. Uh, so, and then the pace of it was, uh, I don't think it was too sustainable uh, to, I guess, uh, to match like the schedule that I had and the responsibilities that I had. Um, so, so a personal question that I have, I just, <laughs> just like relating your life to my life a little bit right now, but um, like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, because of the com- camaraderie and like just having to do everything together, mm-hmm. um, it, there's strain on your personal life, including your families. And, you know, as, for me, that's always been a drawback as well. If I'm being completely honest, you know, it's like having to be at church Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then, you know, we're doing events or like mm-hmm. retreats or whatever and mm-hmm. just always go, go, go. Mm-hmm. So is that different in that you're seeing at an American church per se? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I only experienced one American church, right, right. but uh, from my experience, you know, there's so a little bit more individualistic. So a little bit more freedom in terms of time to, yeah, really just work on your personal walk with the Lord, personal spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, I think 
I'm really grateful that they really emphasize that and prioritize that. Like、mm. they give you hours、uh, during the month and say just just spend time with the Lord during this time,、mm. um, and and you know just their pr-、uh, the prioritizing of the family time as well. So really,、uh, we want the leaders and the pastors to leave from overflow of our personal walk with the Lord and even. Being able to model what kind of husband that we should be, the Bible calls us to be, and what kind of father that we're called to be from the、uh, from the Word. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of emphasis on that. So there's not too much demand on like you need to be at every event or like we need to do everything together.、Mm-hmm. So so part of me kind of misses that like that closeness and intimacy, and then. I would just honestly say my family doesn't miss that at all because、uh, yeah, I get to be home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, okay, that's so interesting. So do you th- so is it just cultural? You think? Uh, yeah, I, I was. I mean, culture could be one. Yeah, definitely component component of that. Um, I don't know. Because,、uh, like, you know, I just feel like you know. The Korean culture is just kind of like you know, just hurry, hurry, like you know, and just like we got to get things done, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And、um, I don't know. I just it's just my own critique, right? Of of, right. of、um, the Korean immigrant church, and I can only speak to that because right now that's where I'm at, and it have been for a long time now. But、um, yeah, but it was just interesting to hear your thoughts on on it as well. Yeah, so I mean, another Korean American pastor told me I think a few years back,、um, like James, like in, at the end of the day, like at the end of my life, if I can just be a good good father and a good husband, like I, I just will be really content with that.、Mm. And that really struck me、uh, because, like, part of me is like I I want to be a good pastor as well. Like I want to you know really. Part of me really wants that success in ministry or success in career, whatever you, whatever you call it, and、um, yeah, just that emphasis. Like, like if we're, if we're not walking intimately with the Lord on a day by day, moment by moment basis, and if you're not like shepherding your family, like really, you know, to the Lord and and spending enough quality time with them. They're just really like we don't have any authority to tell our congregants or lead our congregants in a way like this is a father with like we like I'm modeling what a father should be or we're modeling what a、um, you know husband should be.、Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah. really appreciate that that priori- priority and emphasis that、um, yeah that's emphasized by the leadership here. Wow, that's that's like a big deal. Like you know, just because no one. No one says that often. I feel like、mm-hmm. I. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I don't. I can't really speak to everybody. I guess, but、um, I can see why it struck a chord with you too.、Mm-hmm. Um, but so, what do you feel like is the hardest part of your job?、Mm. Yeah, the hardest part of my job.、Um, good question. So. Yeah, just because how I'm wired naturally, and I'm just not a、um, natural leader. I don't, I don't blossom with charisma, or I don't <laughs> attract the crowd.、Uh, just ready to follow my leadership and my command. So I just、uh, that that's an aspect of ministry that I had to really、uh, grow in、uh, to to be comfortable with just standing in the front and just being proactive and leading people.、Uh, 
but another thing that I would have to say is, um, yeah, I mean, I like words of affirmation. And at the same time, I have a real hard time with criticisms. And, mm. um, yeah, I think being in an American church, I think people are a little bit more vocal on, on the criticism part as well. They're more affirming as well. Uh, but just having to respond kindly with patience and gentleness uh, to just various types of criticism is, yeah, that's probably not my favorite part of the job. Mm, interesting. So like criticism about your leadership or like about like the way you go about doing things? I'm so curious. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, everything. How I look. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't even imagine that. But man, yeah, I mean, that would be hard for, for anybody, I feel like. But okay, criticism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you feel like it was less when you were at Irvine Onuri? Uh, no, I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've been messing up all, <laughs> all my life, players. Uh, I, I deserve a lot, a lot of that. Uh, yeah, a lot of that. And I learned from them as, yes. uh, as well. So how do you handle that, like, yourself, even though it's challenging? Like, you just keep yes. pressing forward? How do you do that? <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think God has been gracious to mm. uh, grow my level of empathy uh, to see where people are coming from. Empathy, so, yes. So, like, you know, for example, when I was working with students, you know, now I have a better understanding of where parents are coming from when they see their children uh, struggling. Um, and... Yeah, just, yeah, that empathy has really helped me to understand at least their point of view. And um, if there's a grain of truth to it, then that I can really receive that uh, well and, and try to grow mm. in it. Uh, but in the end, like, I, I just want to shepherd them. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm not trying to prove myself right and prove them wrong. You know, I'm here to shepherd them, pray mm. for them, bless them in any way. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't want to be the, the hindrance uh, to uh, their walk with the Lord uh, right. in any way. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you know, that brings to mind. Um, so like when you were in California doing ministry, a lot of your ministry was with younger people. Is mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. So has it has that changed at all for you coming to Virginia? Um, like, are you working with adults? I mean, like grown adults, <laughs> not <laughs> grown, uh, young yeah. adults. <laughs> right. Uh, so I actually did work with uh, married couples a lot in California before oh, okay. I came there. So I worked four years with the, the English ministry there. So there's a lot of married couples. A lot of them were older, grown adults. Okay, okay. <laughs> <Grown fully not. laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, coming to this new church, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot more. But the thing is, Blair, I, like Esther, my wife and Esther and I, we've just, we've just been thankful for meeting so many mature, godly mm. uh, brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, so it's not like, well, they're older, so it's like more difficult or difficult to handle in any sense. Like I learned, we learned so much from them and, and, uh, yeah, so I guess that's one part that American church is uh, missing is we don't, they don't have a um, natural deference to the elderly or right, right, right. they don't have like, oh, since you're older, we respect you and want to listen to you. That really comes from our uh, Asian American culture probably. And so, um, yeah, it's been a joy to walk with them and, and learn from them and yeah, just showing deference and honor, honoring yeah. our seniors and elderly. <laughs> 
That's amazing. I mean, um, do you find ever like, I guess I'm just really curious because I haven't met a lot of uh, Korean American pastors that have gone from the Korean immigrant church to the American church, especially a church of your size as well. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I'm curious, were, were there any like, are, do you ever face like challenges in your ministry, whether it's like leading small groups or whatever it might look like for you on a daily basis that... Um, like you didn't really know, I don't know how to phrase this. Um, you didn't really know was a issue Mm -hmm. or even just like something to you personally that there's a conflict because of like, yeah, cultural things like just, just that, I guess, is there cultural difference in the way that you're doing ministry now and you didn't understand before or now it's, or is everything the same? Yeah, no, I, I'm still learning on this part, uh, Blair. I I still am very ingrained in my uh, Korean American culture. And uh, yeah, I was just a couple examples. Uh, When, when people are sharing, um, some people tend to talk a little longer than others. And I realized that uh, in the new new church there's a little more more tolerance towards people who are uh, tending to talk longer and uh and there's you know there's a better listening i guess uh patience interesting uh, yeah yeah uh or tolerance towards uh people who are uh apt to talk a little longer than others uh let's see what other cultural um yeah and um Oh, but I'm finding that there's more similarities. So the things that I thought were different are, uh, I'm finding that they're not as different as I thought. So people still love love it when when we pay a visit and come into their home and spend mm, time with them. Interesting. Um, eat with them, and you know, just you know, people long for that fellowship and you know, con- connection as well, especially during this season. Um, I've I found it interesting that. Uh, yeah, like when I had when we have people over, just asking people to take off shoes that that was kind of a little bit uh dif- yeah, initially difficult. Um, right, right, that would be so weird. I feel like. Yeah. But since our church uh, family is so diverse, uh, I think we're yeah we're kind of used to or uh, yeah we're used to crossing cultures uh, mm. on an everyday matter. Like you know, when we go to this person's house, it'll be this person's culture. So. I mean, so many different ethnicities and nations represented. So I guess uh, I'm still learning. Uh, and, and, you know, African-Americans have their own different culture as well and uh, things that they celebrate. So trying to think of more example, but there's a lot of examples where I probably messed up. I hope I didn't offend anyone. I'm <laughs> but... sure it was fine. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I mean, I was just really curious because I, I just know that, um I'm sure there would be like, I feel like, cause you know, we growing up in the Korean immigrant church myself, you know, there are the problems that I feel like are, are unique to our culture. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would be the same or translate to, um, yeah, Americans that were Mm -hmm. born and raised here and, um, aren't from immigrant families. And so I guess that's why I really wanted to know and ask you and, um, you know, the types of wounds that we carry are different than those of other cultures as well. So, um, I was wondering how, if that was like, 
if that was a shift for you to see the different types of Oh yeah. For lack of better term, I guess baggage that people carry oh, and yeah. having to yeah. bring that to the Lord instead of the the Korean immigrant ones that we have a second generation Koreans and things yeah. like that. Yeah, no definitely a new level of uh uh sufferings and issues that I hadn't, you know, encounter. I mean just in our counseling sessions I would hear about these stories that yeah, that I could possibly never hear. Right. In a Korean American church setting. Mm. So yeah, definitely stretching me. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, thank God that like, you know, grass withers, but you know, God, God's word uh, remains forever. And yes. the word as applies everywhere. Every situation of life trains us, corrects us, equips us, and, you know, makes us competent to be men of God, men and women That's of God. true. Yes. So. Yes. So good, so good. Okay, so um, I asked you what the most challenging part for you was, but mm-hmm. um, what about what's the best part for you? Other than the obvious, I feel like you know. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if it's obvious or not, but whenever I'm able to open the Bible and show what God has done and said, and uh, whether that's in private setting and whether through a Zoom call or even a public, you know, setting like preaching, and seeing people respond mm-hmm. to what God has said and yeah, that just I would say that probably gives me the the greatest joy seeing people uh, being transformed by the word. Yeah. So I I don't preach at all like during this season in my life, but yeah, part of me really misses that a lot. Uh, being able to open the word and just be able to preach, but I, I really do love like personal ministry of the word as well, mm-hmm. like uh, through counseling, exhorting, encouraging people in the word and. Yeah, trying to just pray the word, uh, pray through the word with people. So that, that that gives me so much joy. Yeah, amazing. I um, thank you so much for sharing uh, so much of your journey with us, Pastor James. Um, before we close our time together, I always ask people, um, do you have any advice for anybody that um, is maybe thinking about being a pastor or going into min- ministry or even like being a missionary because I know that you spent a year in Turkey as well. Um, any advice or any anything at all? Anything you want to share that I didn't ask you about? Yeah, I mean, probably the advice that I go give to my past, you know, uh, aspiring pastor. Uh, so if you're there listening, I would encourage you to just meditate or even try to memorize First Peter, First uh, Timothy three, Titus one. Uh, just thinking about the qualification and focus on the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are so enamored with giftings and abilities, and 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 rather than what people have to say about like yeah, this is what a pastor should be, yeah, let's just listen to what what the Bible has to say. Like what what qualifies a pastor and all these qualities that uh, the Bible mentions. Mm. And, what, and honestly, look at yourself. What are some areas that I need to grow in? Like, what are some areas that I really need others to really keep me accountable? And, and serve, serve the church family wherever you are. Serve the church family really hard, faithfully, humbly. And if you are called to be in a vocational ministry or pastor, uh, many times God will do that through the loving counsel an affirmation of the community around you. Mm. Uh, so not going to be, might be a lightning or a dream that you have by yourself, but many times that yeah, God will show you uh, through the affirmation of the, the people around you. So yeah, focus on the character and, and just love the church. Thank you so much. That's really sound advice. Um, 
Um, and I, sorry, I do have actually one more question. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, Bash. No problem. No. Um, so, okay, I'm just going to say it and you don't have to answer this, but it's like kind of a silly question. Like me, myself, something needs to change the, the book. Like really oh, yeah. changed my life, right? So like mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, McLean Bible Church is correct me if I'm wrong, is David's Platt Platt's mm-hmm. church, right? Yeah, he's our lead pastor. So yes. like what is that like? <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, I'm I don't know how to say it other than I'm a little bit fangirling, I guess, Pastor James, if I'm honest. Like yeah. because I mean yeah, I mean, he's written some books that have really changed a lot of people's lives, you mm-hmm. know, aside from the word of God itself, you know, mm-hmm. radical and and all these things. And um, which I'm sure you knew going in mm-hmm. um, is his leadership like, you know, does he talk the talk and walk the walk? I'm sure yeah. he does. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm. I just I probably like I will be at the honest like I just probably got over my fanboy stage as well uh, <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah I'm really thankful for uh, David's leadership and faithful shepherding he I mean, as far as the few times that we got to uh, interact together like yeah I can attest that uh, the brother who deeply loves the Lord and mm. uh, and, and just remains humble and and yeah, tries to uh, like walk in integrity. And it's really sad hearing about so many stories of uh, leaders falling mm. um, these days. Uh, and I have to tell one story. I, I, we went on a trip together and like I found that I had my own hotel room uh, to stay. And, and actually David, uh, I found out that he always brings a, a best friend, a male best friend, uh, to all of his trips so that he's never alone throughout the 24 hours of his trip. Uh, and so he would kind of uh, like stay uncomfortable in that way so that, um, yeah, so that he can uh, walk in integrity. So I really wow. appreciate, um, yeah, I really appreciate uh, his godliness and his humility. Wow. That's um, very humbling and also just, uh, being able to hear a story like that and know that, yeah, he means what he says and writes, and he truly like does fear the Lord, <laughs> um, is so awesome yeah. to hear. Um, thank you for sharing that part too. Sorry, I know it's like kind of like maybe Whoa. inappropriate to ask, but I, I guess like I was just like, man, that is so cool that you work for like you work with David Platt. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but again, thank you again, Pastor James, for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I was wondering if somebody maybe listens to this and has some questions about uh, this episode, would you be open to um, chatting with them? Sure. Yeah, sure. I can uh, give you my should I give you my email or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contact? I can give yeah. and I can connect you guys too. Okay. thank you again for that. Um, so, yeah, you guys heard it. If you guys um want to talk to a pastor that's been through it and has lived it and is living it now um, with his family, um, which uh, for me in itself is advice I would want, you know, as somebody that is in ministry myself, like with family and and ministry, like how do you, how do you grow your family? And we might have to talk later with uh, your wife, but, (laughs) but, um, 
Um, anyways, if you uh, want some advice, uh, please feel free to reach out or DM me through social media, or um, you can uh, email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. All right, guys, thank you so much. Thanks again, Pastor James. Thank you, Blair. Until next time, bye. Bye.